Hey, uh, welcome to Eastlake. My name is Brent. I'm the teaching pastor here, and uh, I'm excited to be here today because we were gone last week, and Margo closed up our Pull Your Head Out of Your App series, and today we're starting to like a, not, we're not starting a series. This is kind of like a, a standalone, uh, a little shot in the arm, and then we kick off a brand new thing next week that I'll tell you about towards the end of the service. Um, but today we're talking about just your church, our church, this church. Uh, so if you are a guest, you picked an interesting day to come. I usually say you picked a great day to come because, and I'm always like building up either it's the beginning of a series or the end of a series or uh, we're giving away free stuff or I don't know. I just try and make it awesome. You picked an we- interesting day because here's the deal. We're going to be talking about some like uh, some unique things. Uh, it's kind of like a, a little bit of a family talk about our church. And so here's, here's why it would be good though. If you are skeptical of church and go, I wonder what their agenda is. I wonder if they have an agenda. We do. And today we're going to talk about our agenda. So we're just going to be open and honest about why we do this thing called church. Uh, and I, I felt like this was a great time to talk about this because in two weeks, we celebrate our seven-year-old birthday as a church. We launched this thing October 10th of 2010, 10, 10, 10, um, because, you know, it just resonated so well with us and it looked good in marketing. And it was the day that the school finally let us meet there at Southridge. <laughs> And uh, so that's when we, we launched this thing. We did three monthly service and then we started going weekly in January of 2011. But seven years as an organization, which is crazy. Like this is when we start dressing ourselves and getting our own breakfast and making our way. Like we don't have to, you know, have our handheld to the bus stop anymore. Um, but seven years as an organization, you can accumulate things as an organization being around for that long because it starts to get comfortable. It starts to get, now we have a space. We're not doing this setup teardown thing. Now, like I don't fret. I used to fret like at uh, our first year, our first year of existence, I would lie awake on Saturday nights after having spent hours writing something going, I wonder if anybody's going to show up. I bet they won't. I bet nobody's going to be there. Why would they come? Why would they come to a school? And then two years in, I kept thinking, when are they going to leave? They're going to, somebody's, I'm going to say something, something's going to happen. And how are we going to keep these people? And now we've been doing this so long that this has just become routine for a lot of you. In fact, you just, you know, the alarm went off this morning. You said, uh, you didn't be like, hey, so what should we do today? It was like, well, we're going to church. Like, that's what we're doing. We're, this, is, this is who we are. This is, this is part of it. And, and you passed 12, 15, 20 something churches on your way to come here this morning. And so um, I feel like every time we go into a fall season, is a really good time for us to reflect back on again why we do this thing that we do. Why why waste, not waste, why, because I don't think it's a waste, why invest an hour of your week into something like this, a gathering together of people listening to somebody talk about an ancient book and how we should um, live our lives differently as a result of this. And so uh, every year at the end of August, early September, our leadership team, we call it our, our board, uh, board of directors, we get out of town and we go away on a retreat and we, um, we talk about, for us, it's basically a chance for us to go up into the crow's nest of a ship, if you will, right? Allow me the uh, imagery of this. And not get caught up in the day-to-day, here's what's taken to keep the boat afloat, but to like look out at the horizon and be like, are we going where we want to go? Is there anything coming up that we should know about? Uh, is there something that we should be worried about? Is this still the direction that we are wanting to be headed? Because it's not intention, it's direction that determines your destination, right? 
Uh, and so is this where we really legitimately want to go? What, have we lost sight of any values? Is there anything that, because we've been so caught up in the, you know, like the minutia of running an, a real, I mean, a business, really, like for those of you who own a business, it's, this is like a business. It's, um, and I, I know it's, I, it's scary to use that word with the church, but it functions as a business in the eyes of the state and in the community and events and all that kind of stuff. And so if we got so caught up in the minutia of those details that we've lost sight of like the why, the why behind uh, what we do. And I think that the problem can be, uh, along with the church, but, uh, or sorry, with the church, but also in so many other arenas of life, that the longer you're here, uh, the less you're aware of how unique this place is. All right, so for those of you who have been attending Eastlake for two, three, four, five, so whatever years, um, eight years, maybe longer than even it was in existence, you're so cool. Um, uh, there can be a sense in which um, you lose sight of how unique it is. Now, not how much better it is. Notice I didn't say how better it is than all the other churches that you passed on your way to get in the doors today, right? It's, it, I, don't, I don't know if it's better. Uh, I, I'm biased. I kind of think so, but I don't want, uh, that's not the point of it. We're not, that's not our competition. Our competition is everything else that people could do on a Sunday morning, okay? Um, but how unique it is. My wife and I had a chance this summer. Um, summertime is usually a great time for us to sneak away uh, and go visit some other churches because we, we don't get to go do that. For, for, the, for some of you, you're like, oh, let's just go check out something else this week. I can't do that. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't work with my schedule. So I have to be here. Um, but uh, in the summertime, um, I get a chance to uh, go see some friends who are, are, a lot of my friends are pastors. And so I get to go see them in their line of work that normally I wouldn't be able to go get and see do. So we went down to Portland uh, back like a month or two ago and got to see my friend Kenny, who was preaching at a church down there. And they're part of like a sister network. They have sister churches. And so we went to this one church in downtown Portland that was wicked cool, man. It was, uh, I was not, uh, I did not feel cool enough to be there. My jeans were not tight enough. My hair was not long enough. All of the things. Um, Portland, whatever. Uh, but they meet in this old Anglican Episcopalian church, something like that. Um, and uh, it is the youngest and coolest, and their music was awesome. And we walked in, and we we're like, this is really cool. And they did they were doing baptisms that day. And th- my wife has like this soft spot for baptisms. So they're like doing baptisms of people we don't even know and have never met and will never know. And she's in tears, like, this is such a good story. You know, look at these people, like, dying to their old self and rising again to new life in Christ. Like, it's, and I'm sitting there going, ah, music's really cool. The program's awesome, you know. And she's like, the story, the story, the stories. Um, so we, we walked out of that and go, man, this is a really cool church. Really cool. They're doing awesome things in Portland. If you have family down there uh, or, or moving there recent, soon, then talk to me. I'll tell you what it is. I don't want to tell you now because then you'll just log on to their website and not stop coming here. So... Uh, just kidding. And then we had a chance this last week to go to our friends uh, in Springfield, Missouri, home of original home of Brad Pitt and Cashew Chicken. And they wear it. They have shirts that say Brad Pitt, Cashew Chicken, Route 66. That's what we're all about. So that's literally, I'm, I'm serious. It's, that's uh, that's their, their big claim to fame. They pastor a church called North Point over there, and huge church, and we went to their church on Sunday this last week and got to sit there, and um, like their band was up there, and there's like smoke and lights, and it was like 
awesome. It was like an emotional experience. I, we missed, we didn't go to Coldplay last night in CenturyLink, but it was like kind of like half of that probably, something like that. It was really awesome. And we, and then my, my, my friend Jeremy got up and spoke and he's just like the funniest guy ever. He's funny in a rubber crutch and he just is, is great. And, and we left, we walked out of that building and we said, this is a great church. Like they're doing great things in Springfield. Um, but we felt like what we get to be a part of here is is different. I don't think it's. I don't know that it's better, right? It's. Uh, I don't know that theirs is better. I don't want to. That's not the right words that we use. The, the words that we use is now what is happening and what we get to be a part of in the Tri Cities is unique. That's the key phrase with all of this. And when we when we launched this thing, we, we met in the living room um, of the Haynes. Many of you know the Haynes here uh, in like August of 2010. And we met with about 25, 30 people. Um, and we said, we want to start a church, but we want to do it in a different way. We want to do one for people who don't typically, they're not in a church. Um, so we're not trying to attract other people, saying our worship's better, our kids' area's better, come here, we're cooler. Um, people who are like, oh, I don't do church. Cool. Maybe this one. No, I don't do church. All right, well, we're going to try and change your mind about it and... Uh, we're going to try and figure out unique ways to kind of get you through the doors, to kind of break down the barriers of what you think about church. And we, we led with the idea that the mission of the church is to make disciples. That when Jesus launched the church with his disciples, he gathered them on a hilltop and he looked them each in the eye and he says, I'm about to leave, uh, but here's, here's my last parting words. Uh, and again, this would be something that they would have recorded down. So uh, this was for them kind of an emotional moment. This is the last thing that they remember um, being spoken to from the person that they considered to be um, their hero and eventually their Messiah, right? Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go ye into the entire world and make disciples. In other words, wherever there's a church, there should be more people who are beginning to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. That should be the mark of a church. Not that you have a building, not that on your building is a cross or a signage or anything like that. It should be a place, a stake in the community, a stake in a community anywhere where more and more people are following in the begin, beginning to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. It's not a church. It's a group of people. That's the point. We've said that from the beginning. That's not anything unique. So that became the value for us. Our people changing their minds about church and changing their minds about God and following the footsteps of Jesus. So for the last three or four years, before we go on this board retreat to crawl up into the crow's nest to view out and see how we're doing and are we heading the direction that we want to head, we do. We perform like an informal internal survey. Um, many of you got this. It was in, we sent it out in an email. Uh, we posted it on our social media. And we said, take three minutes. It could help us in, in big ways to be able to talk about, for us to really get a firm grasp of are we at where we think that we're at and with those resources can we get to where you know what's next what's what's coming up how do we we just keep plugging away is there something that we're missing do we need to uh, do things so one of the questions on there was do did you regularly attend church elsewhere prior to Eastlake have we fallen into um, simply being a cooler version than what where you came from. And when you start a church, um, your numbers are 
by necessity high in that area um, because unchurched people aren't interested in starting a church for unchurched people, okay? They're like the target of it. So what you have to do at the beginning is go after people who that is a primary value for them. Everybody, every Christian everywhere knows that evangelism is supposed to be, which that's a funny word. Um, let me just, uh, telling people uh, about Jesus is kind of part of the MO of what it means to be a Christian. And every, every Christian, I think, on the list of here's what I need to, you know, my responsibilities are how I respond to the grace that has been given to me through Christ. That's an extremely difficult one to be able to perform on our own and in the way that church is often done in America. Um, and so we had to address these people and say, this is going to be something that we are going to prioritize like above all else. And so when we asked the question seven years into it, what we didn't want to see was 90% of people going, you guys, what we're doing here is really cool. And it's cooler than X church that meets somewhere else. So I'm happy to report this to you. Did you regularly attend church elsewhere prior to East? Like 72, we had 121 people respond to the survey. Um, mostly women, guys, just so you know. We see that we know you're busy. And uh, typically a little bit older than, uh, than probably what our regular attendance church is. But young people hate surveys, so I, I get it. 72 people said, yeah, I did. 49 people said no. Now, that if you don't come from a church background, that number may not be impressive to you, but it's close to like 35, 36, somewhere in between that per- percent on, on this thing, or 40%, something like that. Those are crazy. Every time that I show this to all of my pastor friends, and I showed this to Jeremy this weekend while we were over there, blown away. That's unbelievable. 50 of the 120 people that took, that took the time, by the way, to take a survey, which leans, again, more towards people who are uh, older, who uh, may have longer option of, of being a part of a church, said that they've never been a part of a church prior to Eastlake. It's crazy. It's insanely awesome to see that. A reassurance for us as we go on this retreat and go, where are we at? Where do we stand? That we have continued to be, I hope, on the forefront, the very first church that if anybody in the Tri-Cities is like, I think I might be getting back into a church thing. I wonder where I should go. That regardless of where somebody goes to church, they'd be like, well, if that's where you're at, then, I mean, I don't go there, but you should go check out Eastlake. When I hear those stories, I'm like, that's so awesome. Well, I don't go there. I have standards. But you should go <laughs> to Eastlake. I'm like, so I don't want you. I want your friend. That's perfect. I mean, like, no offense to you, but that is awesome. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Uh, from the very first beginning, uh, and we're going to look at uh, a text about church and conflict and, and getting this right. Um, the church launches in the book of Acts. The book of Acts, in the, the, it's in the New Testament. It comes right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are called the four Gospels. Um, and then the fifth book is written by the same guy who wrote the book of Luke. He wrote, writes like a second letter. And it's actually called the Acts of the Apostles. So, um, so Acts is just shortened to Acts. And, and 
For some of you, you're like, oh, AXE? No, it different acts like as in actions, okay? The actions of the apostles. The actions of the apostles post Jesus's ministry. So Jesus is now gone. He has now um, commissioned them to go start a church. They begin to do that. It begins in Judea, uh, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. I mean, it begins in this central kind of hub thing, but then it begins to expand. And actually, what's interesting about the early church is that the expansion points at which it was most successful was typically outside of Jerusalem, which is like was like the central hub, which is kind of weird. It'd be like um, uh, something something that was supposed to be designed here, but then it gets success everywhere else. Like the Seahawks would not be popular in Seattle, but Olympia, Tri Cities, and Spokane loves them. It's like. That's weird. It's right there. But that's what happens with this early church. And so it begins to expand all over. And so um, the, the church is, is, is not, there's no denominations. It's not that big yet. It, but they're, they're experiencing some growing pains. How do we manage this expansion of the church? How do we manage the growth? How do we um, allow people the freedom to kind of be unique in their community, but also have some sort of um, standards in terms of what is taught about who Jesus was? Um, we, we don't want people to just get this idea that they can go off and talk about whatever they want to talk about. We should have like some central rules. Like when you talk about Jesus, make sure you, this is included and this is not included and all of that. So this is going on. And um, in Acts chapter 15, they call a council together. It's really like the very first council of churches. Nowadays, um, denominations call councils like every year. So like the Assemblies of God has a general council that meets in like Orlando or this last week or last year was in LA. Uh, the Baptist, Southern Baptist Convention meets once a year and they take over a giant town and, and they gather all their people together. So this is kind of what's kind of taking place because they go, here's the deal. We, we've got some problems here. We are uh, losing control of some of what is taught in some of these outer areas and we're concerned about the teachings going on out there, and what are we going to allow to be said out there? For the most part, they believed that Christianity was just an expansion on, to, on Judaism. So you become a Jew because Jesus was Jewish, and then you add on a little bit more uh, in terms of Christianity, and, and, and then that, and that's, you kind of go combo of both of these things. And what they are hearing is stories of people who are preaching Jesus and simply Jesus and just Jesus and leaving out the whole Judaism thing. And some people are like, hey, that's not, mm, we can't do that. Uh, the only way that you understand who Jesus was is if you understand his Jewish heritage and you begin to live in that life so that you can appreciate the Yahweh God of our God and then kind of go in that direction. So they go, listen, this is not something that can be solved in letters. We should like meet. So they gather everybody together. And Peter begins to stand up in front of people, and he's kind of over the whole thing. He's not the pastor of the Jerusalem church. He's just kind of like the apostle in charge of the church at that point, which is why Catholicism has made Peter like the primo guy of, of all, and, and that's who the pope is descended from and all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's, he's the rock that the church is built upon, okay? So Peter stands up, and he goes, we got this expansion going on. we got these people who are coming to know Christ, and they're, they're becoming followers of Jesus, and yet they're not really Jewish. They're not, they're not following in the footsteps of Jewish. I'm just telling you what I've seen. Paul steps up and he's like, hey, I am the one that, because you guys don't want to do the dirty work of going and starting churches. I've, I've been kind of called uniquely in that way. I've gone out and I've seen this too. I can verify for you that these people are following in the footsteps of Jesus and they don't, they're not, uh, their lack of Judaism is not affecting their ability to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. You think it's necessary for them to be Jewish. I'm telling you, they're Christians, with, and they didn't need that. 
Not that Judaism is bad. He would never say that. But he would say that it, it, it appears to me that um, we've added a step into becoming Christian that I don't know is necessary. So there's this long debate, right? Because you've got, anytime people are invested into something as, a, as an organization, they're very uh, opinionated. And it's, when, dude, when it comes to church, is there more opinions than, than religion and politics, right? Those are like the top two. So as you can imagine, the dialogue gets pretty heated and it gets all over the place. Eventually, eventually a guy named James, who is the brother of Jesus, stands up in front of the entire, entire assembly. He is the pastor of the Jerusalem church, which by the way, it's so unique because he wasn't a follower of Jesus when Jesus was actually walking the planet, probably because he was his brother. He's like, I know too much, man. I know too much. Uh, so this is, this is completely different. This is now, this is James standing up in front of all of these people in a church that probably has, because it's the epicenter of Judaism, the most to lose. If, if we're not forcing people to be Jewish, then they never have to take a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And then that means that, you know, they're not coming to see me, and I don't have as much authority in their life because they can kind of do their own thing. Has a lot to lose in, in, in spite of all of this, stands up in front of them and says this, Acts chapter 15, verse 19. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Hey, it's my opinion. Uh, I don't know that we are in a position where it makes sense for us to make it difficult for people to find and follow Jesus. We should do our best to remove anything that is an unnecessary obstacle that could potentially prevent people from hearing about Jesus. This verse right here has done more to shape my perception of why we do Eastlake and how I do ministry and how I personally kind of um, process through all of the different programming that we do, um, the things that I talk about, the mailers and the things that go into our community, who, what our reputation stands for as a church, if we did this correctly, uh, this is what would make, I feel like Eastlake crazy unique. Although I think every church should be a part of this. I, I think that if, if, we can, if we can go hard and say, what if, what if we did everything through the lens of not making it difficult for people to find and follow Jesus. And I don't know that we fully understand the gravity of the uh, of what he's saying here. Because right now it sounds pretty, you know, it sounds like, hey, yeah, every church should be very inclusive. But Judaism was a very exclusive type of religion. Remember, if you've read through the Old Testament, you've read some things that um, you probably were like, ooh, I don't know where I sit with this. Because God calls them out of Egypt, calls them to be exclusive. Don't intermarry with other religions. Don't have any other gods before you. I want you to be you and allow other people to be them. It was very exclusive. Kick the people out of the towns. Make sure that they don't, they, they don't infiltrate this. I don't want you to be distracted. I want you to be uniquely mine because I'm, I'm doing something special in this unique calling for people, right? Judaism was a very exclusive religion. Jesus comes on the scene, begins to challenge some of the religious structures in play, begins to mess with people's categories in this way, and then at the very end of things says, go into the world and tell people about this. He, he, he changed the game from being an exclusive community with a unique um, called out 
vision from the world to be unique with God. This is, this is uh, again, this is a carryover. This is why a lot of people uh, operate uh, with, with the church mindset of we are supposed to be in but not of the world, and, and we're supposed to be countercultural and, and, and very, very different uh, in this way, in, in a very exclusive community. There's churches where on the way out of the driveway, um, there's like these signs that on the back of the sign as they're driving out, they can read it that says, you are now entering into the mission field, right? As in... Uh, that's out there, but we are like this haven of unique culture here. <laughs> completely, completely opposite of what Jesus is trying to do with this. And what Paul and Peter and James are trying to grow the church into or, or, or shift their mindset into thinking. It's not exclusive anymore. It's this inclusive sort of thing. And it led us as a church, as kind of a leadership team for us, seven years ago, to, and we've changed the words over the years, but essentially the message is still the same. We're following Jesus and creating community for people who aren't typically into church. What are we about? What are we doing here? When you give money to this organization, what is it going towards? It's going towards following Jesus. We feel like Jesus was like the best at this and messing with, people, messing with people's categories about what religion is supposed to look like, and creating community, not just services, that's one of the things that we do, absolutely, but community for people who aren't typically into church. To not just be aware of their existence in the community, but do church in such a way of awareness of their existence in the room. So many messages that I've heard and grown up with and, and, and just watching and being a part of churches for my entire life because I'm just a church junkie, uh, which is kind of a weird thing to be a junkie on, but whatever, uh, is that they teach as if the message goes out as if um, here's, some, here's some advice for you on dealing with them, which assumes that they're not even here to talk about it. So instead... What, I, what I've tried to do and we've tried to instill in all of our leaders and all of our different environments is this. Assume that those people are in the room. Assume they're in the room. Assume that you can't talk about us and them because they're already here. Now, again, I mentioned at the very beginning of this thing, if you're a guest here, this is, you're like, oh, I see what you're doing. This is our agenda. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that you're in the room, although I'm talking to the people who are a part of the church because it's a home, you know, family talk. But if you come back, and I hope that you do, what you will see on a weekly basis is that I am assuming that you are in the room. I want you to know that I know that you're here and I'm happy about it. We know you're here. We want you to know that we know that you're here and that we're happy about you being here. Does that all make sense? Is that all jumbled? All right. So some questions that we work through. I came across these in a, a video teaching from a pastor that I, um, I love. And, and he... Uh, he led his leadership team through this, and so when we are on this retreat, I asked three questions to our team. Number one is this, what do people see? What do they see? Not, again, Brent, you're using us and them. I know, but we're having this internal family talk, so that's what you do in your family, right? You don't, you don't talk about your neighbors as if we. we this is family time, okay? <laughs> what do they see when they walk in there? Who do they see? Do they see themselves? What do they see? Do they, do they see uh, an environment's that are expecting guests? Is the signage in such a way that they feel like we know and expect that they would be here? 
Do we have enough people greeting? Like, for instance, if this was just like this group that everybody knew where everything was, then my gosh, we would save so much money on signage. I would never, I would just say, the coffee's on the counter. Help yourself. Uh, You know where the kids' rooms are. We don't need anybody to check your kids in. You, You got the computer. We'll train you once and you're good. That is not expecting guests to be here. But we, we, we've said, okay, I, I want us to walk through all of our different areas. Do people feel welcome in all of these? Do they see themselves in this service? When they come in, are the people who are, are waving at the corner or at the door, giving out coffee, taking their kids, handing out programs, speaking from the front, playing in the band, doing communion, do they see themselves in there or is there... Um, or is it kind of a vanilla flavor? Is there one type of people that really, like, listen, we are a, a young church, and a lot of our people have kids. If you have kids, you see a lot of yourself here at Eastlake. You know what I mean? Uh, I look at our kids' numbers every week, and I'm like, we have over uh, 100 kids in our kids' areas between the two services almost every week. And we'll have somewhere between uh, two and 300 adults. The ratio there is insanely high in terms of ages. It may not mean anything to you, but for me who studies church demographics, that's, those are crazy numbers. We are very young. And uh, it can be something where sometimes uh, older people who are empty nesters uh, go, I don't really see myself there as much. And people who are, are college-age, single, uh, unmarried, uh, no kids, they go, I like it. It's probably the closest thing that I've seen so far in the Tri-Cities, but I don't know that I see myself in this. So how do we continue to create environments where people can see themselves in this? So this is one of the questions that we walked away with as we go on this retreat. And if we're so passionate about creating people or churches for unchurched people, that specifically that category of single, unmarried, um, or recently divorced, or something like that, with, with not a lot of kids, um, uh, what do we... What do we is, is there a place where they feel like when they walk in, they go, oh, this is where I belong. Um, so in dialoguing with that, uh, I remember I brought up on this retreat that when we were on staff at um, East Lake and Bothell at the church there, we did two morning services and an evening service. And the two morning services, as you can imagine, packed with kids. Typically first service, this one, this one right here, our kids are like jam-packed. I don't like sardines in some of these rooms. I think it's because uh, they're up early anyways, and so you're like, let's just go. Let's just take them to church, man. I don't, I don't know what to do with them. Uh, and it's free babysitting and coffee for a little bit. Great, whatever. Um, I Because that was, I worked with kids over there, first with youth and then with kids at, at the church. And so my busy times were in the morning. So I was always in the kids' rooms. But then they allowed me to, like, you know, serve a service and attend a service. And so I would always attend the 6 p.m. service in Bothell. And it was by far the youngest. We, were, we had London at the time, but that was it. And we still were like, um, it wasn't like the full family we got to buy a minivan type feel. It was like, hey, we can make this thing work. You know, I had like a little two-door car. We're just packing her in. It, we were living the, um, living the life of like early nudges into the family, but not, not quite there. And at that service, it was a lot of people who, uh, younger, who worked on Sunday mornings. They work weekends, which is typically um, 
younger, uh, single, no kids. Why? Because that's the season of life where they're able to do that. And so they, they work on Sunday mornings, so they can't come on Sunday mornings. Um, or um, Saturday nights were a little rough. So 9.30 comes early, 11 comes early. Uh, or we're busy because, you know, we got a boat and, and Sunday morning or football or anything like that. So one of the things that I propose on this retreat is um, for us to be able to continue to create environments where people see themselves, I want to look at starting an evening service option in the Tri-Cities, which is different. Not a lot of churches do it right now, which is, I don't know, maybe it could be, could be a sign that that doesn't work. I don't know. We'll see. But I, I don't do it because of space issues. We have room to grow in here, right? First service towards like the Easter last year, it was starting to, you know, January through May is our busy time, Okay. Uh, that's when most people are like, I don't know if it's uh, uh, the whole end of the year resolutions or back to school, you know, like settling in and we don't have the holidays to deal with. Anyways, first service was starting to feel pretty full this last year. Um, but the reason we're not doing it is not because of space. The primary motivation for doing this is because I want to create a unique spot where a high percentage of those who would identify as unchurched can find a space where they see themselves and want to be a part of it. So we're calling it East Lake Nights, and we're going to launch it in January, January 7th. We're going to run it. We promise to run it through May, if, even if nobody shows up. I will be in here. Me and Eric and Aubrey will be in here from January through May. We will sit down in April, and we will reevaluate and see where we want to take this thing. I don't want to compete with Sunday Night Football. It's the most watched show on television. Also, we just didn't feel like we could just build that up in time. We're right now in the dreaming stages. Um, so we've, we've got a guy named Brett who's helping us think through, do we want this to be just an identical option? Do we want it to look different? Because of the, we have less time constraints, we're not going to offer kids during this one. Uh, we are going to offer youth. Um, so junior high and high school are going to continue to meet. Um, so empty nesters and um, single college age, whatever, um, we, we, think that, um, we think that this might be a realistic option a more realistic option for them. And we don't, again, I, I said this, but we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. So we're figuring that out right now. But I'm telling you, it's coming. Why? Not because I want more people to go to Eastlake, but because so many of the people that this is going to target um, don't have a great option for finding community and... Um, don't have the place that's designed to remove any obstacles to make it difficult for them. We should not make it difficult for them to find and follow Jesus. So that's why we're doing it. So for some of you, that's like, cool, I'll just start going nights. For some of you, it's like, great, good luck with that. I'm still going to stick in the mornings. <laughs> so awesome. Love it. Question number two, what do they hear? Another question that we ask ourselves what do people hear? Unchurched people in our community. What's our reputation in the community? Uh, I feel like it's been really, really um, positive. Um, but I think that this, there are some expectations that we have had amongst our members. If you, attend, if you came to 101, which is happening tonight, or if you've been to it in the past or whatever, 
you're going to hear that we have five expectations uh, for our members. Attending, inviting, in community, uh, paying it forward, and giving yourself away. So um, those have been our big five things, and pretty much in that order. Listen, we really want you to be a part of this thing because it gets lonely in here if you're not here, okay? We want you inviting your friends. You guys have done, in that survey, we had like insane amounts of people. We asked, have you um, invited a friend to East Lake in the last year? If so, how many? And like the numbers are, are crazy. You guys are doing fantastic in getting the word out in that way. In community, which has been in our in-groups, we've been pushing like this community marketplace thing, and, and we're always trying to start Badger Mountain group, book study group, divorce care group, all kinds of stuff. Paying it forward, which is basically if you love this experience, then um, you should help be on a serve team to be able to make this possible for everybody else, and then giving yourselves away in the community. And this, is, this has been the order, really, at which we've even prioritized scheduling and advertising and marketing and all that kind of stuff. And what we realized is that it pushes what we consider to be super important for us down to the very bottom, giving yourself away through, not through anything here, but through outside organizations. Um, I think that most unchurched people in our community, people who are, um, are in our target, would be most impressed about hearing about a church community who was really, really good at giving themselves away, as opposed to really, really good at small groups. Small groups don't appeal to unchurched people. Small groups appeal to church people. Okay? And by the way, I'm in a small group. My small group meets on Tuesday nights. Several of them are here. One of them was just leading worship. I love it. We get together, and for, but I'm a church person. I told you I'm a church junkie, okay? So I'm in. I'm bought in. I think everybody should be in groups. We're going to continue to do groups. But what we decided this thing is we need to shift our priorities on this. Why? Because the lens by which we look at is, again, first and foremost, what is this saying to unchurched people? So what we've decided to do is to make a, and I, I think you're going to see this. This is no call to action from you. Um, this is just, I want you to observe this as we shift this focus. We are going to go from attending, inviting, giving yourself away Paying it forward, which are both looking outside of ourselves, making it some, about somebody other than ourselves. And then finally, if there's anything left over, in community. I want you to be in community as well. But what we're going to do is it's going to be present, but it's going to be a little bit more difficult to find, okay? It's kind of like when you want milk and you go to the grocery store. Where's the milk located in every grocery store? In the very back. You know it's there. I don't need to walk into a grocery store. Hey, where's your milk? I'm going to go to the furthest point away from this thing, and I'm going to find it because that's what I need. Our end caps, if you will, are going to be giving yourself away, the thing that we're going to prioritize through social media, events, um, all that kind of stuff is going to be giving yourself away and paying it forward on teams because I think that is most attractive to unchurched people. I want people in our community to, when they hear about Eastlake, maybe say, I don't go there. I don't think I'll ever go to that church, but I am so glad that that church is in our community. I'm so glad that those people are in our community. I want, I, I'm not a Christian, but I want to hire one. I want my son to date one. I want, I, want, uh, I, I want that church to be a part of this you know, shopping center and wherever else that they expand to. I want to be a welcomed presence. Yes, please. I don't believe that what you believe, but I am... I am so impressed by how you guys have given yourselves away in the community. That's the reputation one. Number three is this, and I got to move on. What did they experience? Was it genuine? 
What do people experience when they come here? When they walk through the doors of this church and, and take a huge risk and, and walk into a church for the very first time, what do they experience? Is it genuine? Did we show respect for the values and views of our guests? Listen, everybody's sets of values make sense to them, okay? Uh, both sides of the political aisle, both sides of the religious, irreligious aisle, everybody walks in, it makes sense to them. For me to be like, I, I don't understand how you can believe that or vote in that way. Uh, that's my problem, because uh, I, I have not gone into their world to figure out how to make this make sense. So when I'm trying to change their minds about God and trying to change their minds about church, we should be attractive, not coercive. Attractive, not coercive. And I was, I've got a friend who um, is a huge John Mayer fan, and he showed me this song. He's a Christian, so... He just, uh, he played this song for me the other day, and I was so captured by the words and the heart uh, in which John is trying to communicate kind of where he's at. The, I mean, this is the type of person, right? like the people who date Katy Perry, that's who we're going after. I'm just kidding. I'm, but he, he's living this like this crazy, trying to search for the... The, the, the title of the record that he just came out with is The Search for Everything. The song is called In the Blood. It's from it. Here's some of the lyrics on this. How much of my mother has my mother left in me? How much of my love will be insane to some degree? And what about this feeling that I'm never good enough? Will it wash out in the water or is it always in the blood? What about this feeling that I'm never good enough? Is that something that was just in me? He talks about I'm living this. I'm broken. I, I know that I'm broken. Um... Nobody needs to tell me that I'm broken. I get it. Is it in me or will it wash out in the water or is it in the blood? Like, is that brokenness just a part of me and part of everything that I am? I'm going to play this song for you. Not the whole thing because we're short on time, but listen to about 90 seconds of this stuff. Listen to the words in this and then we'll, we'll talk about it in just a second. of my love will be insane to some degree and what about this feeling that i'm never good enough will it wash out in the water or is it always in the blood how much of my father am i destined to become I dim the lights inside me just to satisfy someone Will I let this woman kill me or do away with jealous love Will it wash out in the water or is it always in the blood change it if I want it can I rise above the flood will it wash out in the water or is it always in the blood you 
hear that? You hear like the, I mean, like I know that most people aren't as talented vocally or with musical talents as much as John might be to be able to put that into words in that way. But that is the cry of our generation. That is a cry of so many people in our community who are not a part of a church and are wondering if their church has anything to offer them. And they recognize that they're broken. And I don't know if I have what it takes to be able to fix it. And you can't. I mean, that's, that's the message of the church, the message of the gospel is you can't. But the beauty is we worship a God who can. Let me tell you about him. But I don't want to do it in a covert, coercive way. I want to engage you, invest in that relationship, invite you to something, and then expose you to the reality of a God who can do something. And as I listen to that, um, I think about my wife and I listen to some podcasts, and lately they've been doing this, uh, this um, advertisement for Audible, and they'll play part of an audiobook. And at the very end of that thing, they say something like this. If that made you feel something, then you should purchase John Grisham's new Camino Island book, right? And that's the line. If this made you feel something. Listen, when you hear that song, when you hear that cry going out, does that make you feel something? If that makes you feel something, then you, and, and, and it feels like, and, and, and you're coming from a, a church background, right? If that makes you feel something, and you're like, I want to do, I want to do something about that, then by golly, I, that's, that's what I want to do too, okay? That's what this whole thing is about, okay? If you listen to that, and you're like, I don't know, that doesn't, appeal to me. I'm just wondering if my kids are getting enough goldfish right now and if my coffee is... Listen, you might hate this church because we're going to be driving this. This is weird. We don't exist to cater to that, okay? Because uh, there's going to be all kinds of ideas. And who, well, I, I would prefer it this way. Well, listen, <laughs> love you, but uh, it's just gonna, this is going to be difficult for both of us. So find a church that, that wants to cater to that because what we have, what we have, have said... I want to be. I want to be a part of a church that hears that and goes. We got to do something about that, guys. We got to do something about that. I am going too long, but this is just like this is like the oh man, this is what we talk about. This is this is it, man. This is so essential. I, I ran into somebody at Costco this week who, uh, or two weeks ago, and I noticed that somebody was coming to this church. Uh, a friend of theirs who is coming from another church. And I said, hey, really cool to see your friends uh, a part of Eastlake. And I, I wasn't sure if they were like scoping it out on a reconnaissance mission for their church or any, whatever, I don't care. Here, take our program. If you want to steal some words and do it yourself, that's fine. Um, and she said, yeah, it became something for them that they realized this is such a high value for us to be able to uh, have a place to invite our friends. They didn't come because the worship was better. Brent's funnier. It's shorter, usually. Not this week. Shorter, usually. They said, what we value is, well, listen, we're already church, man. Like, I want you to preach the gospel and, like, help, but, like, I don't really need you. I'm good. Like, we'll figure it out ourselves. Thanks. Um, but we value a place to be able to safely invite our friends who don't know anything, don't care. They know something about Jesus, but it doesn't mean anything to them. And I sat there and I thought, that's it. That's it. We didn't start this thing to go after church people, but if church people are like, I care enough about my friends to do this, then I want church people. I want those church people. That's who I want. It seems to be the absolute safest place 
be able to invite somebody to it. So if you're grateful for this thing that we call East Lake, but you're not engaged, we need you. This is a call not for like, oh, the ship is sinking. We just need you. We need you to be attending. We need you to be inviting. We need you to be giving yourselves away in the community somehow. We're, we'll try and do our best to create environments and opportunities for that. We want you to be get, paying it forward, paying this experience forward by getting on one of our serve teams, getting plugged in and once a month, twice a month, three times a month, serving coffee, helping with kids, doing something. Because this is a team effort. This is your church. Your church. We need you. We need you you. So, I don't know. I, I think that's it. I think I just need to close with that. I, let, let's, I thought I had this like, I turned the page thinking I had a really good closing statement and it just says prayer. So that just means it's time for prayer, everybody. <laughs> Father, we, I feel like the luckiest guy in the world. I feel like um, I bought a, a, a lottery ticket uh, or I bought a house in 2009 and it's 2017 and it's gone nothing but up. I feel so lucky to be a part of this community uh, and this church and uh, thankful for all of the people who make this. This is not um, Brent and Kylie's thing. This is not the, the, the original team that launched this thing. This is everybody's thing. This is your church. And, and we really, we look to you as, um, uh, look to Jesus as the lead pastor of this thing. I get, I get a chance to come up and teach and talk, but but we're trying to follow in your footsteps. And we feel like when you were here doing this thing, you were obsessed with creating community for people who weren't typically into the religious system as it was currently structured. And we just want to continue that mission with you. So give us the wisdom as a corporate church to know what to do with that and the uh, courage to take those steps and to be that way. In your name, amen.